in the short time that I'm going to be here, I'm going to try and put together my thoughts in this way. How you will practically be able to gather. But to be able to do that, I've tried to put everything together in what I'm calling basic principles of gathering. Basic principles of gathering. And I'm going to try and share them in a way how I understand it. Say amen. Amen. Number one. Number one. And I believe believe that this will shock most of us. So hear me. Are you ready for it? Understand that people do not like God. Before you can gather, this principle must be in your head. Understand that people do not like God. They only like what they can get from God. Are you here? Did you, did you hear what I just said? People do not like God. They only want something from God. Not because they like God. And that is a foundation. Once you have that right in your mind, it becomes easier to gather people. Often we step out to go and gather people or to try and bring people to church or fellowships because we have a mind that everybody likes God. And so when you mention the name of God, they will come. That's not how it works. You must have that basic principle that people do not like God. So if, if that is the case, what do you have to do to make people come together because of God? What do you have to do? I don't know whether you understand it. It's very simple. You want to, you want to cross from here to Medina. There's a big river. There's no boat. There's no canoe. There's no ship or anything. But you need to get to Medina. So what you have to first understand, what is the obstacle I must overcome? Once you have that principle right, now you set out to find the solution to overcome that particular difficulty. And I'm saying that in gathering people together, what I have learned together with my team over the years is that we have learned that people do not like God. And actually, Bishop Dak told me this many years ago. He said that you must understand that people do not like God and they will not come because of God. Think about it. What are the names of the... Recently, my children was talking, they were talking about something, a song, somebody who has sung a song. And then they mentioned the person's name. Somebody had come to our house. And I asked my children if they know the person. I've forgotten the person's name, but the name is like Chalewate or something. Shatawale. And I had never heard it before. I had never heard the name before. I don't know who he is, nothing. So when the person was speaking, he was, he was saying something about the guy has done something. They said he had done something and he was in the newspaper. And they were talking and I said, So who is that? And then they mentioned the name. And I said, I've never heard this name before. And they were surprised. They, they were surprised I've never heard that name before. And they were trying to say, oh, when he goes to some place, a lot of people gather. I said, really? How? They said, oh, he's, he's very popular. 
and so on. And I, I was thinking about, so after that, I decided to find out who this person is. So I Googled it to try and find out a bit more. And when I Googled the person's name, I found out several other names like him in Ghana who hold concerts and people go. I don't know whether you understand. And I was trying to figure out, you know, I'm, I'm very interested when I see a crowd gathered anywhere. At the back of my mind, I'm very, either in Ghana, anywhere. Let me challenge you. One of the things you should do, eh, anything that you see in your life that you don't understand, find an answer. That's how I am, by the grace of God. Anything, anything from history to archaeology. Once I see, and I've not heard the word before, or I don't understand what they are talking about, by the next morning, I will understand. You see, so, for example, one of the things I've, I find amazing is a man called Louis Farrakhan. Have you heard about him before? He's credited as having put together one of the largest crowd ever in the world. And he has a program he used to call the Million Man Match. And he will get one million people to match. It's, it's disputable. So many people have said that they were not one million on two different occasions. So one of the questions I used to ask myself that, how is he able to get men, men in America, I'm telling you, they take, and it takes months, and the, that day is a nightmare for the security in America. Louis Farrakhan. I mean, some of you, I'm not, I'm, he used to come to Ghana a lot. Yeah, he's a, he was the leader of the nations of Islam. You know? So one of the things I came to realize is that they all bring people together in different ways. And for each one of these groups I'm talking about, whether it's Shatawale or what are the names of the other people, there was some, another one I discovered in Ghana. Oh, I've forgotten the name. They said he went to, he was with somebody and he was smoking in public or something. I think so, somebody like that. I mean, how can you call yourself a madman? Anyway, but I noticed one thing in common, that everybody has a way of bringing the crowd together. And it's easier for them to bring the crowd together because they speak the language and the things that they know that the generations of this time want. But we live in a generation where the people do not like God. Pure and simple. They will gather for football. They will gather for anything, but they will not gather for God easily. Hallelujah. You can never be a pastor. You see, that this, I'm emphasizing on this because at the back of our minds, especially those of us from Africa and especially in Ghana, we have a mind that everybody likes God. That's the mind that we have. And that is the reason why some of us are not successful in bringing people together. There are some people that when you want to bring them together, do not mention God at all. Do not start with God at all. Because when you start with God, you will lose them. Yeah. I once told a pastor this. And he said, oh, how can I say that? Because it's God that we are working for. I said, yes. That is why the scripture says that the children of darkness, they are wiser than we, the children of light. 
Because sometimes what you need, ask yourself that what is the ultimate aim? My aim is to bring these people to salvation. Is that not the aim? But sometimes you do not have to start with salvation. If you want to gather people, you want to bring people together, you want to people to have salvation, don't start with the word salvation. Don't start with the word God. Don't start talking about God because you will lose them. They build a wall. Are you here with me? John 6, 26, I believe. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not. You seek me. Not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. If you go back and you read this scripture from the beginning, Jesus had done a wonderful, many miracles. And people were healed. Different things had happened. But the multitude were so much that the Bible said that they were, they, they were trying to push against him. So he got a boat and went to the other side of the lake. Surprisingly, when he got there, the people had also gotten into a boat and had come there as well. But Jesus, when he looked at them, he realized that these people, they've not come here because it's me, Jesus, who is here. But they've come here because of the bread. Because of the bread. That is why they've come. Even Jesus recognized that. The people had not come because of him, but they've come because of the bread. They don't like God. We must understand that one. People want, it's what they can get from God that makes them come. Have that underlying principle that people will come to God because of what they can get. And therefore, we must give them that to come. And then when they have come to God, they will now begin to say, ah, Asomwa, when you come to God, you need to love him. Work for him, stay with him, and all other things shall be added. But they cannot see that one sometimes from the beginning. Amen. Amen. Principle number two. It goes together. Principle number two. Understand that crowds do not gather naturally anywhere. First, understand that people do not like God. To understand that crowds do not gather and will not gather anywhere naturally. There is no crowd anywhere you have seen or you see that you must assume that they came together by themselves. Even in the natural, in, in, the, in, in the wild, it doesn't happen. When you see a head of wild beasts, zebras, impalas moving, in a large group of what they call the great migration from, what's the name of the, from the Serengeti to the Maasai, Maasai Mara or whatever they call it, between Tanzania and Kenya. When you see the animals moving, a large head is one of the most beautiful sights in the world. People pay and do all sorts of things. Hotels have come along the routes that those animals use. When you see them gathering like that and moving, the great migration, it's not because they like to gather. Something is compelling them to do that. So today I want you to, I want you to learn two principles 
under this one, or two basic understanding, whatever want, you want, or two laws, that number one, crowd will gather based on one, a push factor. A push factor. So for most of the animals in the natural, is the drought. They know that it's going to be dry here. For some reason, God has put that in, their, in, their, in the trip there. So we must move. Other than that, we will die here. So they gather together and they move. There must be a push factor. So as a Christian who is trying to gather people together, ask yourself, what is the push factor? What it means is that what is there where the people are that will make them move? What is there? Do you understand that one? Do you understand what is there that will make the people move? So when you go to a place, unfortunately, I don't know, I've, I used to live in Adenta, but now I've forgotten what is in Adenta here in the area. So let's say you want to bring people from Amrahia together and bring them to church here. The first question you must ask yourself, what is it at Amrahia that will push the people of Amrahia to come to Adenta Church? I'll give you an example of, let's say, when we go for a crusade. One of the things that makes a crusade director very happy in a town, when we're having a crusade, is when the lights go off, when there's dooms off. Hello? When you set up, you finish, you do everything, and the lights are up, and the crusade is on, and the praise and worship leader is singing, and the whole town, you can hear it. Then suddenly, ECG has done dooms off in the city. You become very happy. Why? Because there's a push factor now suddenly created in people's homes. Those who want to watch TV, those who want to watch soccer, those who want to watch a kind drama. Uh, what's the other thing they show on TV? What is that? What is that? Kum 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 baja. What is that? Sale, I must get TV in my house. I don't have TV in my house. Kum baja. Those who are watching Kum Kum Baja. What? Vera. All those who are watching telenovela, anything you can think of, is quench. And they are all forced to come to the crusade. I don't know whether you understand. So when you go to Amrahia village to try and bring people together, ask yourself, what is here that will push these people? And use that to your advantage. Say amen. Crowds will not naturally gather. Believe me. Billy Graham had a crusade in a city called Birmingham in England. I think in the early 1980s. And at that crusade, he rented a stadium. They filled the stadium and filled 120 halls around the stadium with screens. And there was a man who was at that crusade. And after that, he wrote a book. The title of the book is called The Million Man. And he tried to describe how the crusade was organized. And he was saying that when Billy Graham was coming across to America in those days, 
he came by ship and every day there was news and at that time people were poor and had less to eat so Billy Graham's messages that they broadcast on the radios in those days was to tell the people that there's a great provider who can provide for you even if you're hungry do you understand it? There was not much to eat. But he kept on emphasizing on the fact that he's coming with a message that will make you know what, how you will eat. He identified what was there that could push the people to God. And he used it until he had the crusade. Are you here? When you go to Adenta, what is there? What is in Adenta here? around the people that you can use. That is what you must use. When we started the crusades initially, we used to just go around announcing that there's going to be a crusade. A man of God is coming to preach. He's a very powerful man of God. Come, you'll be saved. Salvation, this, that. As it years went by, I realized that people don't want salvation. They don't want salvation. They want what they can get from God. So, we realize that we need something. And that brings me to my next point under this same principle, which is the pull factor. The push factor is what is with the people that you can use. And the pull factor is what you have that you are bringing. Are you here? I have no doubt in my mind at all that give thyself holy conference. It's the biggest pastor's conference in Ghana. I have no doubt in my mind. But because we can count 12,000 pastors at a certain at Kodesh. But when you see us having the conference, often what you see, few posters, no billboard, no banner. How do we do that? What do you think we use? Is there any pastor here that somebody has visited you and said, come for ISI or give thyself holy conference and then you came to Kodesh. Is there anybody here like that? You? Okay. We send out people to go from church to church. And what do they tell the pastor? What are you going to tell a pastor on a Sunday morning who is preaching that there's a conference and there's a man called Daghiwad Mills. God has called him. And when he preaches, it will affect you as a pastor. You will change. And when you go back, your church will change. How do you say to a pastor who believes that he's already called? Are you, uh, do you understand it? That thing that you have, that you can tell the person that will make him come, is the pull factor that you have. So always understand that crowds do not gather naturally they will gather together by two things the push and the pull so at the crusades we started to make videos of the crusades that we have had before and then we'll gather people into what we call a video crusade in villages if it's Adanta want to have the crusade they will go to Amrahia unfortunately it's only Amrahia I remember Amrahia Frafraha Ashie Oyibi aha What's the name of the one? Ghana flag. Ghana flag. There's a place called Ghana flag. At Adobrebe is here. 
Otinibi. Gravel pit. <laughs> Ghana, we are very interested, you know. We don't give names to things. So I was driving with my cousin to Bansoma. And then my sister called us that she's in the car. We're trying to get her to get down. So I would pick her on the way. And we're trying to describe where she should stand. Where she should go and stay and stand so I would wait for us. And I realized that every name we are giving her is a description. Is it that Dansuman Junction? Then you go to Hansonic. Hansonic is the hotel there. It's become the name of the area. Then the next one is Asori Dahon because there's a church there. So Asori Dahon, like around the church. And then the next one is Akoko Photo. Do you know why they call it Akoko Photo? Because there was a poultry farm there with a, chick, a picture of a chicken wearing glasses on it. So the place is called Akoko Photo. Yeah. I'm telling you. And then you go to the next stop. I've forgotten the name of that one. Then you go to uh, Dansuma Runabout because there's Runabout there. And then you pass it. You go to the next one. It's called Club 250 Junction. Club 250 is a hotel. Then you go to the next one, King Solomon Junction. King Solomon is a, a, a nice club or a drinking spot there. So that there's no proper name for anything. I don't know whether you understand. The next Junction is called Mama's Inn. Mama's Inn is a drinking spot right there. Then you go to exhibition. There used to be an exhibition or something there, exhibition junction. Those are all the names all the way. Then you have last stop because it's the last stop. It's true. So as I was thinking about it, I realized that ah, the whole dance man, from the beginning to the end, none of the places is properly named. Then there's a place called Kakaribro Bay. Why? Because there's a hospital there called Kakaribro Bay Hospital. In some way. If you're a pastor here, don't let that one be your story. Amen. Okay, what was I saying before? I said? Pull factor and push factor. Amen. Jesus had the pull factor. To the extent that they will break the roof. They will break the roof of the house where he's in, talking to lower somebody into the house. Something about Jesus was pulling them. And Bishop Ogo was talking about it this morning. You can't be a good shepherd without having the Holy Spirit. We can't be a good shepherd. Bishop Ntafa was talking about the night I was here. That you can't be a good shepherd without the power ministry. You, you, have not, you can't pull anybody. You can criticize all the prophets and say anything you want to say about them. They have something that pulls the people. That is why they will go. And you don't have it. And you don't want to have it. Amen. You must have something to pull the people. You cannot just gather in vacuum. You cannot. Nobody gathers without a purpose. Nobody gathers without something the reason why they are gathering. Like I was saying, in the Serengeti, the animals, even, that is even too far. Go to Damango. We have the Mole National Park here. And then there's a river there. Oh, every single animal in that Mole National Park will come to the river. The river will pull them. What is in your church? What is in your ministry? That is pulling somebody. Like as we've come here, one of the things I've seen as I've been here is the 
quality of music. Bishop Ogo, God bless you. You have singers. Ace. I mean, to the extent that when you are even calling them, you make a mistake and you call another one. And even if you decide that that mistake should stay, you won't correct it, the person will still sing. Mary would have sung in place of Grace. Easily, even though Grace was the one who was supposed to sing. How many of you agree with that that's what would have happened? But you're in your church. When they start singing, even me, my voice is better. One day, I was singing in the bathroom. Then my little daughter came. She stood there, watched me for a while and said, Papa, don't sing again, okay? <laughs> My daughter looked at me in the face and said, Papa, don't sing again. I think she was so sad the way I was massacring the song. <laughs> Amen. You must have something in your church that pulls the people. <laughs> there are some churches that when you go, the young people are never catered for. There's nothing to fault any young person. So why do you expect a younger generation in your church? There's no place for them. There's no place for them. Oh, you're talking about you young people, cut your hair. Don't leave your hair bushy. Why should only leave your hair bushy if that's the fashion? If that's the fashion and they want to do it, nurture it and use it. And use it to bring people. I mean, when you come to first love, I know some people who join the church because they will get the opportunity to dance. But in your church, it's like nobody should dance. One time, we went to have a crusade in one of these schools, and uh, we went with our dancers from First Love for them to dance in the church. The school authorities told us that they don't like the dancing, so the next day, the evangelist should just preach. We shouldn't dance. If such a person has a church, do you think that there will be any young person in that church? So sometimes, the reason why the gathering doesn't work is because you neglect these basic things. Are you here? Ace, what's the time? I've given how many? Okay, so the, the pool factors is what the ministry is of what the ministry is doing, the anointing on the man of God. The power ministry of the, of the church, how it is presented and projected. I'll come there when I, we are talking about the, the steps to gathering itself. I'll explain to you how you use all these things to minister. Amen. Okay, number three, correct. Number three. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Number three, develop a mindset. Develop a mindset. You must develop a mindset to be able to gather people. Develop a mindset. First Corinthians 9, 22. It said, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Did you see that? And go to the verse 23. And this I do 
for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. This is the part that most of us neglect. You become weak to the weak. You become poor to the poor. You become rich to the rich. You become educated to the educated. You become uneducated to the uneducated. Why? Why? And this I do for the gospel's sake. The mindset of a gatherer should be the one who says, no matter what it is, I will gather these people. That's all. That's the basic one I want you to understand. You must decide that no matter what it takes, there are only a few places that we have walked away as crusade directors from. Only a few places. Few. In fact, there are only two towns. There's a town called Kembele in South Africa and Sefriyoso in Ghana. These are the only two places that we have walked away. And that one, we apply the scripture. Shake the dust off your feet. One day, one of our crusade directors was talking to a senior pastor of one of the cities in Ghana. And then, after he spoke to him for a long time, the senior pastor started insulting him and saying all kinds of things. You, you, who do you think you are? You come to every city and you think that we should all listen to you. This is a, so our pastor also, my crusade director also charged. And started to, they exchanged. And he said, that, you know what, I'm leaving. And as I'm leaving now, I'm taking my peace with me. There no peace any here anymore. <laughs> The crusade director took his peace. Because the Bible says that you should take your peace, shake your feet, the dust off, and leave the person. But what I'm saying is that when it comes to gathering in smaller groups, one of the things that you need is to have a mind that nothing, absolutely nothing, will take me off this course. Like the example I gave you, I've arrived in Hohoi. I drove from Accra in the morning and arrived in Hohoi. I want to have a crusade. I don't know anybody. Any, at that time, our missionary has just been sent there. So he knew one person, a pastor called Larry Davis. So then I go with him to see this pastor. And this pastor has his own charismatic church in Hohoi. So then we talk. So how do we put a crusade together here in this town? When I don't know anybody. And you see, what happens is that often when you go to towns, the Orthodox churches rule Presby, Methodist, Anglican, Roman Catholics, and then the next church often will be Church of Pentecost and then Assemblies of God before all the charismatic churches will come. And what happens is that the charismatic churches and all the small, small churches, if I may put it that way, who have just started like the younger generation ministries, will all rally around you immediately. If you put all of them, their population together, often they are smaller than just the Catholic church only. So if you want to have a crusade, you need the rest of the church. Why? Number one, you're not going to carry a choir with you. If you want to carry choirs, choirs with us everywhere we go, it means that when we are going to South Africa to have a crusade, we need maybe 5.747 to carry everybody to Ghana, from Ghana. The choir, so we don't do that. Wherever we are, we ask the churches there to form the choir, to form counselors, ashes, and all that, and then we leave the souls with them to look after them. Do, do you understand it? That's, that is a pool factor. So we do that. So you know that we are getting, going to get the souls. 
So you too, as you are here, and you are going to gather people, ask yourself this question. To the weak, are you back becoming weak? To the strong, are you becoming strong? To the poor, are you becoming poor? So I think this is one of the principles behind when we used to do dress down Sundays. Because there were some people that when you ask them to come to church, they'll say, well, I don't have a tie. I don't have a shoe. Because in their mind, a charismatic church, when you are coming, you must. Yes. So in Lighthouse, we, we, we still have it, isn't it? Dress down Sunday. We, we wear T-shirt and so on. We are trying to become as simple as possible to the person who thinks that you need that simplicity to come to church. It's a mindset. But to go out there and win souls, there are some people who will force you to go to a drinking bar. Maybe you have not entered a drinking bar before in your whole life and in your natural life, you will never go to a drinking bar. You know, when I went to Kotobabi Church years ago to pastor the church in Kotobabi, and I thank God for that experience because I have never, ever in my life been to places where people live by the drain. Do you understand the drain? The big gutters at Alajo. It, it goes through those places where they call the Kotobabi down. And then to go to somebody's house. Eh? So I asked the person, are we actually going to your house? He said, yes. On a Sunday afternoon, I went to park my car. You climb steps like this and you go up. This is a wall. This is a wall of a house. The wall of a house is here. You go over the wall. There's no gate. There's no entrance. So they made something like blocks. Then you go over it. And then you re- before you realize, ah, I'm actually on top of the wall. And then the house is there. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? You see the house. So if this is the wall, you see the house down here. The house that you are going to visit. You go up to the wall of the house. And then you descend and come to the compound of the house. Before you can go into the house. So then I ask, Why? She said, well, because when it rains, it will come into the house. So they've circled the house with a wall and the steps. So, so that when it rains, the water comes up to a point and can't go over the wall to go into the house. Or, or you don't understand it. So I went into the house. I didn't know whether to pray, whether to say, we thank God for this accommodation that you've got. <laughs> it was my first experience. My first experience that I saw a house that the bottom part of the house is perpetually wet. Dry season, rain season, summer, spring, anything you want to think about. The house, the bottom part is wet. Continuously is wet. And this is where the person lives. So when I went to the guy, so this is a new house you've got. So I had to try and say, oh, we thank God for Some of you, you can't do it. When you get there, you say, hey! No, 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 you can't live here. Where should he live? Can you rent another place for him? So, my face is, I had to try and smile through it and pour oil in, uh, on the wet ground, which is the new bedroom. And do you know the worst part? He didn't have a bed. His mattress was on the floor. And this is a two-week-old convert. So that day, there was a gentleman in the church. I, I always remember him. He was an architect who had come from Soviet Union. 
I went to see the guy and I said, you know what, I want to buy a bed for somebody. I need your help. The guy said, oh, Pastor, you don't have to buy. I have beds I've not even put together. I can give you one. And he had a pickup. We went to his house and brought a bed. So the next day, we went into this house. We went up, down. We carried the tents and we set up the bed. Do you think this person will leave the church again? He brought his family. He went to break, he brought his wife and two children who were staying with his mother-in-law somewhere. He went to bring them. Gradually, we were gathering. One, one by one. We were bringing somebody to the How did I do that? I became all tense. I identified with the guy. I went to the house. I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like that. This same guy, one day I was there. Do you remember the July 4th flood? I don't know which year was that. 1990-something, 95. That wild flood that killed people, flooded everywhere. I was there. 1 a.m. or something, this guy called. The gutter had overflown. This time he's taking half of the house away. When I arrived there in the morning, eh, how do I explain this? Can everybody see here? If this is the, the room, let's say this is the room. The wall here is gone. And then the floor here, about two, one third of it is hanging. The under is gone. You can't deliver it. It's hanging. That's the guy's bedroom. The, guy, the room that I went to pour the oil was gone. The room, the room had gotten legs, wheels, and gone. And all the things were gone. The guy and his wife. I didn't need to understand how to live by a drain or a gutter or by flood. I had to identify with him at that time and be with him. But we can't identify with people. Like I was saying with you, the other guy who I said, nice, a contractor, he would be drunk. He, the, he's drunk. I'm a pastor. The guy is drunk and he's in my car. I became a drunkard. But some of you, if the person starts to talk, I've seen people do that. The person is talking, as the person is talking to him. How, how do you expect such a person to stay with you? Turn to the person sitting there and say, Become all things to all men, so that you may save some. Amen. If you don't do that, you will save nobody. There's nobody you can save. When we go for crusades, there are some pastors, their behavior, age. Some pastors can ask us, so what do I get after this? That they want to negotiate what they are getting before they help with the crusade. Yeah. But you, you have to accommodate each one of them. Each one of them. You can ask Reverend Ebu. Each one of them. Some of them, when they are talking to you, it's like you are not a human being. You are nobody. They see themselves as mighty men. Of the city and you must accommodate everyone's ego yeah some of them when they are talking they feel that you are a very small boy who has come but it's okay if you think i'm a small boy and by so doing we can have a crusade and save some soul so be it oh, oh i don't know whether you understand it so there are some people you just give them money. 
Because that's what they want. Give them. He that labors silver shall never be satisfied with silver. That's one of the things I've learned. So anybody I meet, I know that this person, he likes money. I will give him money so that I can achieve my, I can achieve my purpose. Completely and totally. There's a guy who is helping me to buy some land for an Akazo Bible school at Mampong. And I know that the guy, he likes money. So, once I put him in charge, I said, you know what? We want to convince this family that this is their land. They should give this one to us, or we will give them this. If you're able to do it, I will give you this. It's a pastor, or Tanamefro. <laughs> Hallelujah. You need to be a man who has a mind that no matter who the person is, there is a way of reaching that person. There's nobody that there's no way of reaching that person. Everybody, that's one of the things I found. Everybody. There's a way of reaching that person. If not by yourself, through somebody else, you can reach a person. And that mind is a very important mind. You have to have a mind that all things are possible. All things are possible. We give up too much, too quickly, too much, too quickly, too early. Okay, principle or whatever, number four. The principle, whatever. Understand that you need pillars or driving forces. You must understand that you need pillars or driving forces. In the book, in the book, Mega Church. In Mega Church. Let me see which chapter it is. Mm -hmm. I want to read something from Mega Church. Are you here? Page 74 of Mega Church on how to start a church. Principle number five. He said, pray for and recruit pillars. He said, pray for laborers. Ask God to give you helpers. Then go out and recruit pillars. Jesus called individuals to follow him. Jesus recruited Simon and Andrew. Then he also recruited James and John. If you read Mark 1, 16, 17. Mark 1, 19, 20. And then the Bible says that those people later on became pillars. And when James, maybe let's read the scriptures. Mark 1, 16. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And the verse 17, 
And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And then Mark 1, 19 and 20 talks about James. And when he had gone a little further, then he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. Uh huh. Verse 20. And straight away he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the high servants and went after him. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, are, are you there? These people that Jesus called to come and walk with him, the Bible says that. By Galatians 2, 9, he said, when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, these people that Jesus called as they were fishing, they became pillars. And I'm saying that when you have people with you in your church, you need to select some or recruit some to become pillars or driving forces. You can never gather unless you have a driving force with you that you have created. Healing Jesus campaign, as I speak to you today, have, we have about how many? 15 crusade directors. 15. And if you send one person into a city, there will be a crusade. There will be a crusade after four weeks. Minimum. Four weeks, we will have a crusade in the city. One person. He will arrive. He doesn't know anybody, but there will be a crusade. We went to Zimbabwe, and we had crusade in 14 cities. Each city had one person. One person. Some of them are sitting here. Reverend Ebo is here. He's our senior crusade director. Oh, Reverend Ebo, give them a wave. We enter a city, we don't know anybody. One person stays there and he can organize the crusade. But you see, the reason why you don't have such a pillar or such a force is that you don't invest in it. And if you invest in it, you don't choose the right person. Pastors, if you are here and you want to gather crowds, one, choose people who have the same mind as you. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Choose people who have the same mind as you, who have a mind that we are building the church. As I stand here, I don't have any agenda. All I want is Bishop to say, let's go to Mozambique. When? That's all. Okay. We are going. Then we arrive. My mind is that what Bishop wants to do, Bishop Dag wants to do in Mozambique, will be done. You need people, you need people who have a mind like you and decide that what does Bishop Ogo want to do in Amrahia? It will be done. It will be done. And when you don't have people like that, you can never gather. Because when you tell them, go to Amrahia, tomorrow we want to have door to door. He'll be saying in his head, Amrahia, they all go to the farm. Oh, Bishop, he doesn't know. Yeah, that's what he'll be saying in his head. Yeah. But if the person believes what Bishop Ogo believes, he will be saying that, we are going to Amrahia, we are going to go from door to door. 
there are farmers, and most of them will go to the farm. They will be back normally. They come home around 6 p.m. So this door-to-door will not start at 3. It will start at 8. As he's saying it, you are planning it in your head. Not fighting the thought in your head. Amen. Some of you choose people who oppose you in their minds. As you are speaking, they are opposing it. And you still want to work with them. He's not a pillar. He's, he's what, Bishop Sam? He's what? He's a caterpillar. <laughs> Bishop Sam. Amen. They must believe the pillars you have must have the same mind as you. Number two, there must be people who think about souls just as you do. The pillars that you have. There must be people who think about souls just like you do. Number three, there must be people who are determined to by all means save some. Number four, they must believe in the leader's calling and his ways. They must believe in the leader's calling and his ways. Yes. Because if you don't believe that Bishop Ogo is the bishop of this church, and therefore he must have a reason why he's asking for some outreach or some program to be organized, you, you, you cannot follow him and do what he's asking you to do. And the last one, they must believe in the leader's directions and instructions. These are the people you need. Luke chapter 10 verse 1. He said, after this things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and places where he himself will come. So you need the pillars that you need. You need to put them together as teams and cause them to work. And the last point I want to say about this part is that the people that you are recruiting as pillars, they must be people who understand anointing and how the anointing works. The way Bishop Ogo may want his stance on this stage will be different from the way Bishop Sam wants his stance on the stage. The way Bishop Dag teaches us to organize a crusade and believe is very different from how Pastor Benny Hinn would teach his people to organize his crusade. And I'll recommend, recommend the book, The Anointed and His Anointing. To anybody who is here, who wants to help a man of God. And pastors, if you want somebody to help you, maybe it's time to share this one. Before we started healing Jesus' crusade, one day we were there and Bishop called me and said, you want to talk to me? And I went. And he said, I want to start crusades. And the crusade, this is how we're going to do it. And he said all the things. When he finished, he gave me three books. Three books. The first one was called He Touched Me, which talks about Benny Hinn, how he started his ministry and the people that he works with and so on, how he got his organized. If you read that book, it teaches you a lot. 
And he gave me the book that I shared with you earlier. It's called The Million Man. Do you remember that book I mentioned by Billy Graham? And then the third book was which one? I've forgotten the third book. Then later on, he asked me to read um, this book by Gordon Lindsay. The big, uh, All Things Are Possible. When I read those books, my mind, my, my posture, my behavior, everything towards what the crusade should be or how a crusade should be changed. I learned that I need, we need people. That's the first. We need people, a certain group of people to be able to have the crusade. Because without that, we will not be able to have the crusade. I needed somebody who will always be there to play the bass guitar, play the keyboard. I needed a team for different, different things. And I also learned over the years how the evangelists will want things done. Not what I think, what I've seen, but how he wants it done. That's why I said, if you're a pastor here and you want somebody to help, one of the books you might make them read. How do they call it? Composite reading. Is that what they say? Must read. Is this book. The anointed and anointed. You understand the anointing upon the person within the person and how it will present. What you should do when you are near the anointing. Amen. Without that, you will not have pillars to work with. And without the driving force of pillars behind gathering, there shall be no gathering. Amen. Number five. I'm ending quickly. Understand where you are and what you are dealing with. You can never gather people successfully unless you have knowledge of the area and the people who are in the area plus all the factors that prevail in the area we had a crusade in Chufupraso is it Chufupraso? yeah apparently Chufupraso has seasons and when they have the planting season and they go to the farm they come home very late very very late so, the first night when we started the crusade at 5 p.m., there was nobody at the crusade grounds. Nobody. Prayer, few people, until after 8 p.m., before people started coming towards the crusade. By the time we're ending the crusade, we had a lot of people at the crusade. But that was towards the end. At that crusade, I learned that you must take the traditions and the behavior of the people in the area where we are having the crusade seriously. Because you can never make people change their lifestyle overnight. We have come here for four weeks, brought pastors together, form a choir and everything, and you want them to change that. Don't go to the farm on this day because we have a crusade. But rather, you must have a mind that they will go to the farm and they will come late. Therefore, the crusade will start late. I don't know whether you understand. And you need that knowledge. But the problem is that many of us pastors and people who are assisting pastors, we don't read and we don't want to read. And therefore, we have very little knowledge. If you don't read and you don't, if you know how to read and you don't read, and the person who doesn't know how to read also doesn't read, what's the difference between the two of you? We are the same. Pastors must have knowledge. 
for us to go and have a crusade in Zimbabwe, we are sitting here in Ghana. By the time we finished the crusade in Zimbabwe, we knew the country more than the people who were in the country because we do what we call a deck study to understand the country where we are going. How many tribes are in Zimbabwe? What is the predominant language that they speak? What is the population? We try and find out the population of each of the towns. And out of that, we will select, like I was explaining to you on Tuesday, that if I have three towns to go and have a crusade in, not that a, a soul is not a soul. Every soul is a soul. But I'm also thinking about the cost effectiveness of what we are doing. So if I can preach in town A, and I'll get 10,000 souls saved, and I'll preach in town B, and I'll get only 800 saved, where should I spend God's money? And that one will not come unless you have done a bit of a study and analysis. But many of us, the pastor, we throw that part away. No analysis. So you want to have a gathering group. You want to gather group around Adenta. Which areas do you want to gather? What is there? What is there? Find out. You go to Oibi and you want to gather people. Where is the Oibi town itself? There's a scattered or a developing community at Oyibi, and then there's Oyibi town itself. And I can promise you, Ghana has done statistics for over the years. If you go to Ministry of Finance, there's an office there where they sell the statistical survey documents of Ghana. And there's one called housing and something. When you, it's a green one. They have different colors. Some are brown. That particular one is green. When you get it, it gives you the population of every single suburb in Accra and in the Ghana. So, for example, the biggest, did you know the biggest suburb in Accra? Do you know? Should I tell you? It's Abeka. It's Abeka followed by Medina. Yeah. The biggest suburb in Accra is Abeka followed by Medina. By statistics, I'm not telling you something that because you, you walk Medina and it's very long. Oh, Medina is very big. There are a lot of people here. Don't speak like that when you're a pastor and you are serious about gathering. Get statistics so you will know that Adenta has a population of maybe 600,000. And out of that, how many churches are here? It's all in the book. It will tell you percentage Christians. So, for example, when we're going to have a crusade in Salaga, we checked the population of Saraga, and we decided that because we have buses, we will bus people to the crusade. So we will go 20 kilometers radius around Saraga. What are the towns within the 20 kilometers radius? I take a map and I check. Then I list all the names. Then I come back to the population book and I check. All these towns, what's the population of here? What's the population? What's the population? What's the population? And I add it all together. So then I know that Saraga has 16,000. The, the towns around it, which are 12, the total population of that one also is 18,000. When I put it together, I'm expecting 34,000 population. Okay. Now, I have this 34,000 people I'm expecting. This 34,000 people, how many of them will come to the crusade? How will I know? The first thing I do is that I decide that all those who are Muslims in the area will not come for the crusade. It's a basic assumption I make. So, therefore, what's the percentage population of Islam there? 14%. Then I take it out. 40% of this population will not come for this crusade. Are you here with me? That's what I mean by understand where you are. Understand what you are dealing with before you start to gather. That is why you can't gather anybody. 
because you lack information which is basic. And we must all get it. So if we are, if we are Bishop Ogo has put you at time right here, there is a data that will tell you the number of houses that are in Amrahia as at the year 2010 when they did the last census. The number of houses. When we're going to have a crusade in Donkokrom, Donkokrom is such a vast area, small, small, small villages. So how do you know? It's difficult to even tell the population or how, how many posters would I even make? So we decided that in Donkokrom, Bishop Dad gave us the idea. We counted the number of buildings which was in the census book, household. They tell you each household, the ones that have toilets, the one that doesn't have toilets, it's all in the book. Yeah, so we counted the houses. So if we count all the houses, and decide that there are 500 houses in this town. Therefore, I'll make 2,000 posters, four per house. Because I'll put it together so it looks like a billboard on each of the houses on the town. Other than that, you are going to print 5,000 posters, but you actually need only 2,000. You are wasting the church's money, even. Are you here? Are you learning something? So get information. You are in a place. You want to have a crusade. And you know that the people here are fetish, mainly. And their festival day is the day you want to start the crusade. Bishop Sam. <laughs> Amen. Because you lack knowledge. And some of you, the reason why you can't gather anybody is because you don't understand even the people you are dealing with. The people in the area. One day we went to Atebubu for a crusade. I don't know whether Bishop Ogo will remember. We arrived. We were having our crusade happily. We had the first day, the first night, the first morning pastor's conference. We were there in the afternoon. And somebody arrived. That the linguists of the Omani of Atebubu want to see us. <laughs> so, when we put two and two together, we decided that the two of us, the linguist came, and his message is that the Omani wants to see us. So the two of us, they decided that the two of us should go. So we went to the Mahine's palace. When we arrived, they, they gave us seat, everything. Then the linguist started speaking. The Mahine want to understand why we have come into his city to have a crusade and we have not come to greet him. Now you say, hey, we, we have come. We thought that we come to have a crusade. We, have, we are doing something very nice. We have our speakers, everything. Don't mind someone else. Why haven't we come to greet him? I don't remember what we said. <laughs> but we managed to find something to say and apologize. Eventually, we took the evangelist there to pray for the chiefs and his people. The next day, they all arrived at the crusade with their families and everything. And we learned, we learned from there that when we arrive in a place, we should not ignore the traditional authorities. We should not ignore the people in charge of the city, even though we have come to have our crusade. And that led to one of, one of, uh, I don't know what it is, one of the keys that gave us victory in Nigeria. If we say we respect our traditional authorities here in Ghana, Nigeria is times 100. 
So as soon as they realize that their traditional authorities are with you, they all came for the crusade and we made a platform for their chiefs to sit on. And even some of the times we made the chiefs spoke and everybody came for the crusade when their chiefs came. Amen. Understand where you are and understand the people that you are dealing with and you will be able to gather more people. Amen. Bishop, Bishop Kakra has a story he tells about. One day he was at a Frankfurt airport and he says that he saw some Nigerians very angry and they had charged at a policeman. So the police got dead. So he wanted to ask them why. He said that the policeman has insulted a particular person. That man is a chief from their village and he has not done anything. The man has insulted him. So the policeman must apologize. Frankfurt, Frankfurt Airport. And the policeman said he will not apologize. They said, You will apologize because he's our chief. And as they were keep on talking, all the Nigerians who were flying to everywhere had all come. They said that the policeman must apologize. And they were at it until almost all the policemen came. They said they want to arrest them. They said, You can arrest all of us. He must apologize. So eventually the commander of the police unit at the airport came. And when they explained it to him, he asked the guy to apologize. When the guy apologized, they all dispersed and boarded their flights. <laughs> you know? So knowledge, when you have knowledge, it helps you to gather. Amen. And we must all get knowledge. When you are going to have a crusade in a place and the place where you are going to have a crusade something has happened there before you must understand why it happened Rahan Monkey went to a place and maybe they threw stones at him and you are going to have a crusade there find out why did they throw stones at him when we went to a city called Ofa in Nigeria where today to date we have not had any larger crusade than that half a million people one night Half a million. I mean, it was like a sea when you are there. That's the crusade that you can't go from the stage to the back and come back. No, if you go to the back, you are there. You stay there to be close. When the crusade ended, four hours, we had, the roads were not, were not cleared. That crusade. That was the crusade. You can ask Bishop Ogo. Evangelist Doug, Bishop Ogo, all of us, the team, we went to visit the, who was it? The chief imam. We went to the chief imam's house. You think we are not Christians? By all means, we must save some. We had knowledge of the city where we were. So the Muslims came. And the amazing, th amazing thing is that when they come for a crusade, they get more miracles than us. So sometimes I wonder whether they believe more than we believe. It's true. Many of us Christians, we are very shallow. Very shallow. We don't want knowledge. We want, take it! Take it! I see you receiving! That's all that we want. And many of us pastors too, we won't teach the people we have. So you have nobody. You are just blowing air on them. 
I'm not saying that it's not important. It has its place. But if that is all that you do, you will have nobody. Amen. So remember that the future, if you want to know the future, the future is only the past repeated. Everything that has happened, that's what the, the Ecclesiastes says. The future is that the past repeated. So therefore, we must have knowledge of what has happened before as well. The last but one point is that you must develop a gathering strategy. After you've got your mindset, you understand that people will not like God. You understood that crowds will not gather naturally. You've understood that you need a mindset of not giving up so that you can gather people. After you've learned that you must know where you are and have a knowledge of the people you are dealing with, the next thing you need is a strategy. There are several ways of gathering people, but they all follow the same principle. There are several ways. What we have always done is to do open-air crusades. But for most of us sitting here today, I believe that to build our church and to become shepherds who are gathering people, the main thing that we'll probably be doing will be gathering people together in smaller groups. But like I said, they all follow the same principle. So I'm going to try. So you can gather people together in different programs. One, open air crusades or campaigns. Number two, what we do when we're putting people together is what we call video crusades or video campaigns. Number three is one-on-one campaigns. Number four, it's arts and musical campaigns. These are the types of campaigns that you can have. Okay. So number, how to organize a good crusade or a good campaign. Number one, do what we call a proper deck study. A proper deck study. It means you take where you are. You know the population. Try and know the population. Try and know your population and know your target group. So I gave you an example earlier. Let's say I'm in Salaga. Salaga is only has maybe 16,000 people. And if I have arrived in Salaga and I want to have a good crusade, all those places have small, 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 small villages and nobody goes there. So by the grace of God, we hire buses or we have buses and we decide that we will do 20 kilometers around Salaga town. When we do that, we have an added population of, let's say, another 16,000. So it's like it's the center. But in the night, they all vanish. When you have a crusade in Mankesim, you will be sad. You see how they see that people planting in the daytime. In the night, it's quiet. Only a few people are in the town. All of them came from different places. That's why they call Mankesim or, or Mame. Or Mame. It's like the place, the main place. Everybody comes from their village to the place during the day. Then in the night, they are back in their village. When you have a crusade there, you'll be very sad and very discouraged. 
<coughs> Atimpoku is one of the places. <coughs> Japan, all those places. In Nkoko, they will gather in the day to sell bread, anything you can think of. Chiapia, in the night, they all climb the mountain, they vanish. So when you are going to do an outreach, do a deck study of where you are going and understand it. And your efforts will be more effective. Amen. Okay. One of the things that when you do a deck, a deck study, you also discover is that are there competing events? Remember, the basic principle we started with is that people don't like God. So you have to remember that anything that is competing in this world with the things of God, Satan will always win. When we had a crusade in Harare recently, when we closed, on my way driving home, I discovered that there was another program right by us, which we didn't know. It's like a disco or something in the night. And cars were parked, young people, plenty. They didn't come for the crusade. And those who came for the crusade were walking there as well as I was going. <laughs> I saw them walking there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. So this, the, this principle runs across for all programs, whether it's one-to-one, whether it's open-air campaign, whether it's a video campaign. You must understand that you need to do a little deck study. Okay. Then the next point under, under this is that when you are considering the event itself, the next thing is think about the location. If it's an open-air crusade or a video crusade, think about the location carefully. Amen. The first thing to consider that overall setup of the venue where you plan to host the event is a very important place. Choose a venue that is large enough to accommodate the crowd while maintaining comfort and security. Never underestimate the, place of the, the power of a place. There are some places that people do not gather there. No matter what you do. There are some fields. If you have a crusade, that very few people will come. So local knowledge in choosing a venue for a crusade. If Bishop Ogo sends you and says, I want to have a crusade in uh, uh, Oyibi or Madina number one or Maya Hot or something like that. When you go there, don't just walk around. So I've seen a field here. It's a very nice field. And you go and put Bishop Ogo there. You've made a big mistake. Ask questions. So one of the questions we normally ask when we arrive in town is, we will ask, when Rahan Bonke, if Rahan Bonke has been there before, when he came here, where did he have his crusade? Then they will show you. And then you ask, sir, has there been, ever been a crusade in this town before? Yes. Where did they hold the crusade? Then you go and look at it. So sometimes when you go there, you also find out that the person who had the crusade made a mistake in choosing the venue. So then it guides you not to use that venue. Are you here? The venue is so important. If ever you become somebody organizing a crusade for somebody, never put the person at Independence Square unless you know the weight of the person and the supporting equipment for the person. Say amen. Independence Square is one of the most difficult places to have a program. You need some basic infrastructure to be able to make people go to Independence Square. I don't, don't attempt. 
So I'm telling you, when you see Lighthouse Chapel International at Independence Square, with over 100,000 people sitting there, <laughs> there is a mechanism behind it. Amen. Okay. Number two, the number three, whatever it is, the next point is that consider transportation. And in the case of us here, not just for a crusade, but for gathering for church, transportation is the next most important thing for the church. There is no big church in this world that I have seen as I've traveled with Bishop Doug these years that there's no bathroom going on. It's not possible. It's not possible. One day we went to Winners Chapel. It was a Monday. The church was closed down. We had finished a crusade and I think we are coming to Accra and then we, we drove through the place. That was the first time in my life I ever saw the largest fleet of buses the largest fleet. Look, the buses, I have not seen, they are like Tata bus, but a little different because the front was like a track. White. They were like that. Shh. A sea of white buses. If I'm not exaggerating it, there will be more than 500 buses. Pack. And each one had a number with red written. Buses, buses. You cannot have a a, a good gathering without buses. Healing Jesus Crusade, for our fleet we have in Ghana and for West Africa, we used to have 24 Tata buses. How did we come about with the idea? One day we went to Hafasini, we were going to have a crusade. And we realized that Hafasini, even though it's the district capital, everybody lives somewhere. The people who in the Hafasini town itself were few. And so, Every church in the places that we went to were asking us for, to help them to have a bus to come to the crusade. And what we discovered is that the buses that work from these places to the city, they all close. By 5.36, they've closed. Nobody's working anymore. So if you say even the buses should bring them and then the buses will take them back, they don't work. We tried to have meetings with the drivers and said, work, bring the people and take them back, and they will pay. They don't believe it. So, so eventually we negotiated with the drivers to hire buses. And if my memory serves me right, we were going to need $80,000 to pay for the buses that we're going to bring the people and to take them back. And the visionary leader and a strong leader as Bishop Dag was and is, took a decision that we'll buy our own buses instead of giving the money for just one crusade. We'll buy buses that we'll use for our crusade. I tell you, that led us into buying buses, which we have used for our crusades all these years, from Nigeria to everywhere. Because people, there's no, even if the places where there are buses, people don't have money to, to pay. People who, who who believe in God and want to come to church, don't have the money. And where the people even have money, there's no bus. There are no buses anywhere. So we carry our buses everywhere and we bring the people. So when you gather people together, think about this part as well. 
get people in the church who can come together to help you every week to have one trotro event. That brings 16 people from one area to church. And then he goes back. He tells them, you bring the people. I'll pay you 40 cities for bringing the people. But if you loaded and you went to a station, maybe it will cost you 28 cities or 35, so I'll give you 40. So every morning, Sunday morning, come and park here. Bring this number of people to church for me. And go back and work. When you close, I will call you. Then you come back and take them and take them to where you pay them from. Because many of us think that we need to have a lot of money to organize buses. That's not how it is. It's negotiations. I was telling some of my young people I work with on bus, and I was telling them that you need to make the driver your friend and explain to the driver, like I said, Bishop Interfer was saying that people don't do things because they don't know why. If this driver understands that this is an added income and it's, he doesn't need a mate to shout, soon, 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 no. He doesn't need a mate to shout, Madina Akra, Madina Akra, nothing. You tell him that I have the people already gathered for you. You come for them. And when you come and you drop him in the church, I'll pay you the 40 cities. And I'll call you at 3 o'clock. Then you come and pick them. Don't you think that the driver will come? Because sometimes they don't see the advantage. They rather feel that it's a waste of their time. But when you explain to him, you just bring the people. And go back. Continue your work. You don't have to park. You don't have to do anything. You see that by so doing, you will have buses of, as if you own them. But you don't own them. But every morning they work for you. Maybe you take six every morning, every Sunday morning. Four times six. Two hundred and whatever, forty cities you have paid. And they've gone. If you call them in the afternoon and they don't want to come, you call another torture driver. You see that by the time you do it four times, you will have a driver who will have the same mind as you. And sometimes by so doing, they will join your church even. The next point, I've said it already, cast your net wide. Because if you want to get 10 people, you need to reach 40 people. And that is a principle that you can never change. The just ended, give thyself holy conference we had in August. Accra, Tema, Ashaman, and all those places. I believe we visited over 8,000 churches and pastors. Out of which we had 2,000 something attending. Can you imagine? Yeah. Got a quarter. We get. We got a quarter. You can't change that. It's always will happen. So cast your net wide if you want to get a a lot of people. Then the next thing I don't know whether it's number three or number four or whatever it is. Is I want you to understand that crowds will always draw crowds. Crowds will always draw crowds. You see, in our crusade, uh, let's say South Africa, we have only 10 buses. Each bus can take about, um, what, 46 people? 46 people. We have a bus that can take 46 people, and we have 10 of them. So let's say each one goes, how many? Even 10 times in the night. 46 times 10 is 460. 460 times 10 is 4,600. But our crusades are normally... 50,000, 30,000, 20,000 people. So if our buses worked the whole night, they brought 4,600 people. Where did the rest come from? Where did they come from? It follows just this simple principle. Crowds will draw crowds. Why? People become curious. Why are buses going to this place and everybody is boarding this bus? Then they come wanting to find out what is going on. 
Let me read something that Ari Torrey, the great evangelist, teacher, and author of the late 19th and 20th century, what he wrote. He said, get as large a number of reliable Christian men and women to go with you to the streets to go and preach as much as possible. Crowds draw crowds. There's great power in numbers. One man can go out on the street alone and hold a meeting. I've done it myself. But if I can get 15 or 20 reliable men to go with me, I will get them every time. Ari Tori. I believe most of you have read his books and so on. That's what he said. So what it means is that it's difficult for people to come to smaller programs. So when you are a pastor and you want to gather, never send out people, a few people. So if you are sending people to Amran here to go and invade, go in tens, twenties. So when you, when people will be wondering, hey, who are these people? And they will be asking you, what are you doing here? And that one alone will start. I learned from Bishop when I sit in the plane. I always put myself in the position so that somebody will ask me, what do you do? Do you see? Then you brought yourself. I, I'm not preaching to you. You ask me what I do. By the time I finish explaining to you what I do, I would have finished preaching to you. Or, or you don't get it. So I always have a book, either Born Again or How to Become a Strong Christian in my bag. So when I sit down, I'll take it and I'll put it in a place around my seat. And I'll be reading. I'll greet you and I'll say some nice and I'll continue reading. So if you make a mistake, what book is this? You have brought yourself. If you start to ask me a question, where do you come from? From Ghana. And I also start to ask you a question. That will make you ask me what work I do. So when you ask me, and I say, I'm a priest. A priest. And the office say, a young man like you, you are a priest. I say, yes. Especially with a white person. Then you brought yourself. Do you see? What does a priest do? Uh-huh. And that time you have made the motorway nicely. And you have removed the toe boot. <laughs> say Amen. So in the same way, when you want to preach to people, you want to do door-to-door, video evangelism, and, and you are a lot of people, when you arrive, curiosity, you see, people, some people become curious when they see a crowd. Some behave like the lizard on the wall. They want to be there and see what is going on. Some become so curious that they want to get involved. They will come into the middle. So you bring people together, you go from door-to-door. Maybe five people are standing there. They will come and pass up. I'm looking for you. Are you looking for somebody? Yes, I'm looking for you. Then you start. And then from one person, it will lead you to the other person. It will lead you to the other person. By the time you're living there, you are probably spoken to 10 people, out of which you will get two or three. Say amen. amen. So remember, crowds will always draw crowds. So you need crowds to pull in a crowd. Why am I? I'm ending. Don't sleep on me. I'm ending. I'm ending. So some preachers do what they call rent a crowd approach. Rent a crowd approach means when you put your stage here and you stand here, you have at least 30 people who are there listening to you who are part of your team already. Be understand it. And that approach is used by almost every evangelist that I know in the world. Oh, yeah. 
So when you go and meet churches together, what do you think we are doing? You form a choir of 5,000 people. The choir alone is 5,000 people who have come to stand there. We have rented that crowd, and they are creating an euphoria of crowd moving, and that causes others who are passing by to join. Do you understand it? So when your pastor says that let's go for evangelism and you don't want to go, what you are simply saying is that I don't want you to gather. I don't want you to gather. That's what you are saying. Because your presence will make somebody else come. It's like those who go fishing. You need a bait. You can't catch a fish without a bait. So when Jesus told the, uh, Peter and Koda, I'll make you fishers of men, what do you think he meant? They are coming to fish for men. They need bait. They need meat to get the people. Hallelujah. The next approach to also get people apart from the crowd is to use music and singing. Like Bishop Entefo was saying the other day, he said that there are some people in this church who joined the church probably because of the music in the church. I know people that we have in First Love, especially here, how they sing nicely. And now sing so nicely. And now. And now, and then now I know Grace, and I know Mary. Who else? Ah. This is one of the approaches that Salvation Army, Salvation Army use this approach greatly in America to win souls. The Salvation Army, and I'll read from. The history of Salvation Army. He said in 1880, following a successful pilgrimage to America by Lieutenant Eliza Shelley and her family, General Booth determined that the United States was ready for conquer. Booth called upon Commissioner George Scott Rayton to set sail to America with the aid of Captain Emma Westbrook and six Hallelujah laces. The Salvation Army set to invade America, Rayton and his ladies made straight progresses with their unorthodox style of open-air chapels, music, and street corner singing. That's how Salvation Army took America. Because everybody was in a rush for gold and for things in America. They will not have time to come to church, and they can't get them. So they decided that they would set up a street corners where people were busy. And the only way they could catch their attention was to sing. So General Booth discovered that this is what will work. He dispatched a music group from England, I believe. And they went to America. And that's all that they did. From morning to evening, they sang at corners to catch attention. And those people were now preached to by this colonel or general who was Commissioner George, who was sent by General Booth to sing. Music was played and sung to draw crowds. Well, whether the music was performed well was not, or was not performed well, it drew the crowd and the purpose was achieved. Amen. Which part are you going to play? I think I want to end. Because the steps, they never finish. Should I continue?
So open up, we said, your location. You need the crowd, how to pull the crowd. Never neglect the busing aspect because you have to bus the people if you are going to bring them to church. Music. Cast your net wide. Because if you don't cast your net wide, you will have very few people. Choose your location wisely. But the last thing I want to say, that in all this, to be able to invite the people and gather them, there's one cardinal principle that runs through. And that principle runs on the fact that people do not like God. And therefore, if people do not like God, what do you do to make them come to God? And the key is that you must have a message. What is the message? Like Billy Graham did in Birmingham. What we do at the crusade is that we've come to find out that people have problems they can't solve. They've tried doctors, everything doesn't work. So we tell people that we are not here to come and tell you do this or do that. But we are here to come and say that there is a man that God has anointed. And when he prays for you, if you are sick, you will be healed. If your mother is dying, bring her to the crusade. She will be healed. And then we show them video. We show them videos to see what has happened at the other crusade. So if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, then he's the same. He'll be the same tomorrow when we are having the crusade. And we are saying that bring the sick. Bring every problem that you have in the house. And God will answer your prayer. You see, we are not telling them that come and God will save you. We say that come and God will answer the need that you have. And then when they come, they come to receive Christ. Then the rest follows. Are you here with me? So if you are from Adenta Church here and you are going to Amrahia, what are you going to tell the people of Amrahia? What will you say for them to join your bustle? What will you say? My answer to that is case-by-case basis. Because you are not going to do a, a crusade in Adenta. You are uh, in uh, Amrahia. You are more likely going to go from door to door. Even if you are going to have a crusade, you need to do the door to door to bring the people. Number one, approach the people politely. I'm showing you what to do on one on one. That's the last thing I'm saying. Number one, approach the people politely and in humility. No matter who the person is, even if it's a child, politely and gently. Number two, Introduce yourself to the person. Anybody you meet in this world that you want to be able to reach the person or break the ice, always introduce yourself in a very nice way. Hi, how are you? My name is Kweku Frempong. I live not far from here. I just saw you and I wanted to say hello. The person will automatically be disarmed. Then the next thing you ask the person, please, do you live around this area? I say, oh, that's my house. Immediately, you have identified your target. But if you say, please, do you, do you live around this area? I say, oh, I live at uh, Kaswa. I just came to visit my friend here. I'm looking for Trotro. You should change your approach immediately. Your approach now should be salvation message to the person immediately. 
Or you don't understand it. Your target is not to get this person to church. That's what I'm saying. That you have your message and your aim right. That's why many of us are discouraged from gathering. Because we don't do the groundwork and we don't decide what we are doing before we start. So if the person, you are at Amran here, I'm trying to get somebody from Amran here or Oshie to come to church here. And as I'm talking to him, so I live at Kaswa. But I just came to visit my friend. I'm waiting for Trotro here. Why should I waste my message on the person? So what you have to do is to share the gospel with the person at that time briefly. Why? Research has shown that for a person to give his life to Christ, he normally would have heard the gospel between 12 to 18 times. If somebody walks in front here to come and lift up his hand here, often the average person would have heard the gospel preached 12 to 18 times. So you will never know whether yours is the 15th, number 4, number 3, or number 2. So you only add on. That's one of the things that encourages me greatly. Even when I preach somebody and doesn't listen, I always have a mind that I calculate, so maybe I'm number 10. Do you understand? Billy Graham Evangelistic Association made that research. You know? But then, if you ask the person, the person says, oh, do you live around this? Oh, that's my house. Immediately, you smile in your spirit. Oh, Lord, thank you. You have brought me one. Then you start. Oh, really? If it's a grown-up. So what do you do? Are you a student? Do you work? Do I work? Where do you work? And he points to where he works. You are gathering information about the person. If the person doesn't listen to you that day, you can chase him at work. Do you see? Before, before you, you actually say what you want to say, because the, some people are so averse to church that if they know that, as you are talking to them, you are trying to get them to church, you will never know anything about them again. So you see why some of you don't also succeed. So you start speaking to the person. So I work at uh, WAS, West African Secondary School. Oh, really? What do you do there? Okay, oh, me too. I work here. But do you go to church around here? Do you live here every day? The weekends you are here. So, yeah, so do you go to church? Oh, once a while, you have got your fish now. So now what it means is that you will hammer the person every weekend until you come. The person says once in a while. It's when we are training our counselors to take information and so on at the crusade. One of the things we tell them is that when the person said that I go to church, ask him which church? What's the name of your pastor? When was the last time you were in church? Then the next question would be, did you go to church on Christmas Day? Did you go to church on Good Friday? Even if a person doesn't go to church regularly, and he says he went to church on Good Friday and Christmas, it means that he's not bad. It means that church, he actually belongs to that church. So that that form is given to the pastor of the church that the person mentioned. Do you understand it? You don't give it to somebody to follow the person up as a fresh convert. But the person didn't go to church on Christmas Day. He didn't go to church Easter. When you ask him, when was the last time he was in church? last year when the flood came around that time, immediately you know that it's a convert that must be worked on. Are you understanding the principle I'm sharing with you? You need to develop this message to its conclusion. After that, you start to share. When it comes to sharing with the person, sometimes you can assess the person. As you are saying, is he a young person? If he's a young person, what are the problems of a young person may have? You speak to address the problem. If it's a grown-up, what is likely something that the person will, will like to be going will be going through and that you can address remember if you say come to church and be saved the person is not likely to come 
Hallelujah. And lastly, to the pastors, my last point. Don't let gathering be one event once in a while. Mega Church, chapter 13, industrialization. You need to turn gathering into an industry. Hyundai factory makes Hyundai every day. They make some models every day. They just send them out. As a church, what are you producing every week? It must be souls. So if that is the case, your gathering principles and your gathering experiences must be group prepared, shaped, guided, and directed in such a way that it's a machinery that is in place working. Whether you are there, whether you are not there, whether there's a rainfall, whether there's a holiday, that gathering effort must be in place. And if you decide that it's one-to-one here, if you decide that it's open-air crusade here, if you decide, what is a video crusade? A video crusade is taking, let's say, Bishop goes crusade message. Prepare it for maybe 30 minutes and do everything about it and get a projector, go to a place, gather people and play it. And let me show you one of the tricks. Start to show a film. Chinese film, what they are doing? See that people will start gathering. You need wisdom if you want to gather. That's what the Bible says. He that winners soul is wise. If you go, no, you start to put Bishop Ogo in who is preaching and telling the people. If you don't repent, you will die. Nobody will come. They won't come. They will pass by. But start showing a film or something. Maybe for 15, 20 minutes. Or sometimes football. They will start gathering. Especially if it's a place that people don't have TVs much. You see that they will start gathering. As they gather. You don't say anything. You just... Make the thing behave as it's on the other, and then you change it. And then you say, Right now, we'll continue the film in a few minutes, but I want you to watch this for a few minutes. You don't just change it, because they walk away. So, we'll continue the film in a few minutes, but I want you to watch this message for the next 20 minutes, and then we'll continue. Everybody will be there, coolly. And sometimes, when you're having a crusade or such a program, you should switch off all the lights, especially when it's time for altar call. You put the light off in such a way that those who are shy, they will come. When they all come, or they lift up their hands already and you get them, then you turn on the light. <laughs> oh, you don't get it. You need wisdom. You need to think about it. And every little principle you can use, use it to your advantage. So that by all means, you may save some. Stand to your feet, everybody. <laughs> Lift up your hands and pray and ask God for wisdom. Ask God to grant you wisdom, grant you the ability, grant you the, the, the help to know how to gather. Lift up your hands. Ask for the heart of a gatherer. Ask for the heart of a gatherer. Say, Lord, give me that heart to be able to gather. Give me that heart, oh God. Give me that heart. Give me that ability. Give me that knowledge. Give me that boldness. In the name of Jesus, give me that wisdom, oh God. 
Shout to the Lord. Lift up your voice and ask for it. John 14, 14. He said this, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Ask God to 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 give you the ability to be able to gather. Ask God to give you the strength to be able to gather the boldness of God. In the name of Jesus. Help us, O God. Give us the techniques, the strategies, O God. The wisdom, O God. The ability to gather, O God. Let none, none escape. Let none escape, O God. From our presence, O God. From our presence, O God. Of all that you've given us, Lord. Make us able, help us, capable, O God, of reaching all the souls, O God. All the people in our area. Let our churches be full, O God. Because we have become good gatherers. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for the spirit of gatherers, O God. Make us good shepherds. Shepherds who are able to gather. Just like your word says, from every corner, from all the nations, from all the suburbs, from all the divisions, from all the villages, from all the homes and the towns around us. Help us to be able to gather your people together with God. Unto Mount Zion, where they can be fed, O God. Let none escape us, O God. In the name of Jesus, grant us the ability. Where there's a lack, supply will go. I pray for all the pastors gathered here that you will give them pillars. Men with the same hearts. Men with the same mind as their pastors. Men who believe in the things that their pastors believe in. That together, they may call many unto righteousness. Thank you for this ability. And thank you for this knowledge and this spirit that you're giving to us today. That our gathering meetings shall change. That our churches shall be filled. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus as we pray. Say amen. And welcome Bishop Ago. Clap your hands. Look. Listen. You just heard the voice of the professor of mass evangelism and gatherology, Professor Prince Charles Adai. Clap your hands. Look. Listen. Unfortunately, really unfortunately, this conference is ended. Tomorrow it ends. I wish we had one more week. Yeah, I would have taken you into numerology. And aspects, see, no matter who you are, you will need this message one day. Look, make sure, look, the, the, the smallest boy here, make sure you get this video. You will need it. If you don't ever have need of this video, then it means that you are not in the ministry. And if you are about to die and you have not watched this video before dying, it means that. You shouldn't die. <laughs> because you receive slaps in heaven. <laughs> yes, every pastor, Jesus said that my house may be filled. 
Everybody say it. One go, that my house may be filled. Every pastor will need, one day, one day, you will need to fill your house. And this is a document. It's the green book of ministry that you will need. So make sure you get it. Listen over and over again. Because as a pastor, this is your work. You're a good shepherd. Jesus said, other sheep I have, them also I must bring. That they may be one. And hear one voice. Clap your hands for Jesus. You may be seated.